Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach David Bartke here. Today is Sunday, January 11th, 2018. Uh, did I say January 11th? Boy, boy, I don't know where I got that from. I know where I got it from. It's because it's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That That's what it is. January 11th? No, it's February 4th. It's not even close to January 11th. <laughs> It shows you where my mind is at this week. It's been quite a week. We've had a lot of shows. I've had a lot of stuff dealing with and the the book and doing some stuff for my wife's business. And it's like, okay, I think my brain is in meltdown today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll still get through it. So what what wins have you had the past week? Oh, well, actually, we're about to hit a win. It'll either be today or tomorrow for the podcast. We will have our 20,000th play. Wow, fantastic. Yeah. So that one's pretty darn good, I'd say. That, that's one you know for the ages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my goodness. Especially well. considering the fact that uh, a year ago we were, well, the numbers have only been since November 2016. I've been doing the podcast since uh, September 2012, and uh-huh. I don't have solid numbers for those first four and a half, five years. However... right. right. I do know what the numbers were for November and December of 2016, and they were pretty low. They were below 100. So I can pretty much imagine that the numbers for the previous months leading up to that were also fairly low. So most of that has happened within the last six, seven months or something like that. And to have that many people in that amount of time and with that amount of growth is great. Now, is that huge compared to other podcasts? No. I mean, I know podcasts that are in the hundreds of thousands of listeners, millions of listeners over time. But we're getting there. We're moving in the right direction. And that's really what's important because our curve is straight up. Yeah. I mean, even the other ones started somewhere. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I started with zero. So, <laughs> yes. Yes. What about any other more personal wins? Anything? Oh, let's know? see. What's been going on this week that would fit uh, nicely into a personal win category? I mean, all kinds of things have happened that are good. Um, I'm trying to think of anything that might be particularly noteworthy or interesting or fun. But um, I don't know. Nothing is really jumping to mind. It's It's just been a good week. I felt good most of the week. Um, there have been a few opportunities where... I didn't feel quite so good. I had a chance to practice feeling good, and I did better in some cases than in others. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I have been even more aware than in the past of just how many different ways my mind can go negative on me. Um, I mean, I've been aware of that since I first started trying to be a deliberate creator. But in the past few days or so, I just continue to be astonished how often my brain goes to the negative. And it's a lot better than it used to be by a right. lot, right. you know. But nevertheless, I mean, just and just in little things, you know, like, oh, let's see. We were doing our grocery shopping for the week last week or, or um, right. yesterday, rather, not last week. And while we're out driving, I'm the one who usually drives and I'm driving. And for some reason, there's a little part of my brain that is just getting upset with other drivers. Now, I'm just driving very calmly. You know, so so if, you, if you had just looked at me and looked at the way I was driving, you would have said, oh, you're just a normal driver. No problem. Right. But inside, right. deep, deep down inside my head, there was a little voice saying, oh, why did, why did she do that? She didn't have to do that. And I'm thinking to myself, where the heck is that coming from? <laughs> I mean, I've been trying to... You know, replace that with all kinds of positives and with a great deal of success. And then all of a sudden, it just pops up again. Well, the good news, I guess, is that I noticed it. I I mean, that's the kind of thing that could have gone on in my subconscious mind. And I would never have noticed it. The good news, I guess, is that I'm noticing it. And I'm saying, okay, well, I have a little more work to do. (laughs) Well, I have a very good suggestion for you. This is what I do and what I tell my clients is that, because a lot of people have driving, like, resistance while driving. Like, the person in front of them is going too slow, or someone did this and it annoyed them, and all that kind of thing. And, and you, that, like you just said, that could easily <laughs> escalate into you getting all like, oh, you know. But the, what I suggest doing, which really works, is when someone's doing that in front of you while you're driving, 
once you notice you're starting to get a little touch like annoyed or frustrated, just tell yourself, just allow. Oh, yeah. Just allow. And that that works so well, and it kind of cancels out that resistance and that annoyance. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I don't remember if I was using those particular words, but that was essentially what I was doing. The other thing yeah. that I did to try to counterbalance it was to remind myself, boy, am I glad I don't drive like that person. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, driving, uh, I just had a driving thing not that long ago where I was on the highway and I had to get off at the next exit. So, you know, I looked in my rearview mirror and there was just a car not that far from me, but enough distance where I could get over to get ready to exit. So I put my blinker on and what did this car do? He accelerated. <laughs> right. He or she, I wasn't sure who it was, accelerated because they wanted to be the first one off the exit, right. not me. Of course. <laughs> so that was another example where when I saw that person was doing that, I felt that, what? And then I thought, David, just allow, just allow, let them be the one who gets off first. It's totally okay if you go behind them and, you know, three seconds behind them, you're getting up. So I did. I, I slowed down a little. I let them pass me by. I calmly got over and exited the highway. And I thought, thank God I know about allowing. Because mm. I could have totally been like, ah, and like sped up and tried to beat them off the exit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could definitely happen. But you didn't, and that's the good news. The good news is that you caught yourself, just like I caught myself. And, and yeah, that's what I keep like trying to remind it is, it is easy to get caught up in something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how much you can get caught up in stuff like that, and, and totally unnecessarily. But, um, <laughs> but you know, right. the good, there, there's good news there. The good news is that I am noticing this stuff. This is stuff that, that is has good. been going on yeah. for a long time, I'm sure. It just, you know, yeah. one of those little pieces of of self-chatter that we engage in, right? It's been probably going yeah. on for the longest time, and I just hadn't been paying attention to it. But it's still creating vibrations that I don't need. So exactly. I'm, I'm glad I noticed it. I'm glad I noticed it, and I did something about it. And I was able to smile and say, well, that wasn't me driving that way. <laughs> I am doing much better than yes. that. <laughs> and that's the key, is that you did something about it. Yes. We're all human, <laughs> so things happen. It's just... Hopefully, those of us that know about law of attraction and know about some processes, etc., we know what to do when something happens, and hopefully we jump into something that helps us soothe our way out of it so we don't get stuck in the frustrating thing or the disappointing thing or whatever it was that happened. Exactly so. I mean, that's really what the goal not only as a deliberate creator is, but it's also the goal just in terms of, of having a better quality of life. Totally. Because I mean, all the different that's ways that the, we That's beat one of the best up. side effects of knowing about the law of attraction. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I had exposure to the idea of, you know, positivity and positive thinking when I was younger. But I never understood how to make it work. I never understood how to overcome this kind of stuff. And I got yeah. frustrated pretty easily. And so I finally just gave up on it. I figured that it couldn't, that, that it was kind of useless. I mean, it would be nice to have, but I didn't see how to have it. So I just gave up on it. Whereas the teachings of Abraham yeah. have really shown me that I do have a whole lot more control over my own emotional reaction to things than I really realized, than I realized ever before in my life, really. Um, and that yeah. realization has made a huge difference and it continues to, to increase in its difference every single day, which which also ties into the topic for today because we're on to Chapter 2 of the book. The but I, I just wanted to emotions. share some wins, too, before we go on. Well, that's all right. I can, we, we, we can do that. <laughs> let, me, let me just, let me just uh, draw the connection, though, because the Astonishing Power of Emotions, yeah. Chapter 2, is where we talk about how those emotions actually happen. So it's going to be a good thing yeah. to be talking about because it ties in directly with what we're talking about here. But what wins have you had? Tell us about the wins. Well, I had, like, a lot of wonderful personal ones. I'm still attracting a lot more income and I had safe transportation this past week. I did a lot of driving around and everything went well. But the two that I really wanted to share, um, one was I was talking to a friend of mine and she's having some uh, financial kind of difficulty right now. And she was going on and on about her finances and 
I said to her, I said, your salary or what you have in the bank is not an indication of how much money you can attract. And she just had this like big light bulb aha moment mm. by hearing that. Yeah. And I thought, and I said to her, wow, that was good. <laughs> That's one that I'm trying to work on, actually, to be perfectly honest. Because yeah. so often, and I know other people do this too, so often I think about something, particularly something that my wife and I are trying to attract together, like we're trying to attract a new home or we're trying to, yeah. to you know, attract a trip or that kind of thing, stuff you know, that we would generally consider to be big stuff. Whenever we think about that big stuff, what's our first thought? Okay, we have to attract the money to pay for it, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is not the way to think about it, but that's what we do. It's crazy. <laughs> But she was, this friend of mine was so caught up in the what is. Mm -hmm. And she's, you know, she is someone who's into the law of attraction and knows about it. And when I said that, she was like, oh, my God, I totally forgot that. Mm -hmm. She's like, that's right. My my salary or what I have is not an indicator of what I'm capable of attracting financially. Yeah. And it kind of totally shifted her. And I thought, wow, that was a great win. That was for both of us because it was just a great thing (laughs) to come out of my mouth and, it helps, you know. It helps her, and it helped me. And I thought, well, I've, I've got to share that one as a win because sure. it's just a great, great piece of information. And then uh, the other one that I wanted to share because I also thought it would be very helpful to anybody listening is I was working with a client, and you know, of course, I can't share the specifics of what we were talking about because that's of confidential. Course. Right. But I'm just going to share the part, the helpful part. So um, he had during the coaching call. He had an aha moment in that he realized that whenever he's thinking about, like whenever a low vibration, negative thought comes into his mind, if he finally got that, there's that moment that he could either go with that thought and glom onto it or choose to go the other direction and deliberately think something more positive. Like he really got very clear that, wow, there is that moment when a, negative thought comes in where you can choose to go with that negative thought and get caught up in that. And as we know, you know, like thoughts attract like thoughts. So, of course, you're going to think about more negative things. Or in that moment, you can choose to go more positive about whatever it was that came in. Mm -hmm. That's like a a huge thing to really get and notice and and to be that aware, like, oh, wow, that's right. I could choose a different thought pattern when that comes in. Yeah, that's terrific. I mean, anytime somebody makes a breakthrough like that, you know that you've helped them. That's got to feel good, no matter how you look at that. Yeah, but I just that's true. But I just thought that's a great thing to share because when we get that aware, where we do really realize, like negative thought coming in. Okay, <laughs> here's my choice. I can either go with it and glom onto it, or I can go in a more positive direction and switch my t- and and kind of like when you do that, it kind of knocks it down. Yes. You don't get caught up in it. That was a great awareness. I just thought that would be helpful to share with who's ever listening. It is. It's a terrific awareness. And and it one of the things that it reminds us of is when when something negative occurs to us, we probably don't want to treat it like incoming. It's probably not the best <laughs> thing, you know. <laughs> it's probably better to shift gears, you know, so you don't keep attracting more incoming. <laughs> Yeah, but, I, I, but when we were talking about it, I kind of got this vision of, like, the, the negative thought comes in, and there's, there's like, two streets <laughs> you can choose in that moment, mm-hmm. the negative street or the positive street. I just got this vision. It was kind of interesting. Yeah. And I thought, it, that really is true. Like to, it would, and it's amazing to be that aware where you can shift it in the moment. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's, like, amazing. But even if, you, even if you don't shift it in that exact moment, which would be wonderful, just to be aware enough at some point to shift it would still be great. Hey, I'm also curious about the client, the first one that you mentioned, who yeah. had the, the big recognition. Oh, my friend, you mean? Or a friend, I guess it was, who, who had the big recognition about uh, she wasn't limited to her salary and so forth. Yes. I'm, I'm wondering, yeah. did, did she also decide on some sort of a, a path or a program or whatever to keep opening herself up to the idea that things that she's trying to attract should not take into account what her salary is? Um, yeah, well, that was kind of what she got from that, was that, oh, that's right. It doesn't matter 
how much money I bring in or how much I have in the bank, I'm, there's still limitless supply of money. You know, I, oh, okay. this, so, has nothing to, this, this has nothing to do with how much I can attract. Like she was kind of limiting herself, thinking, well, that's it. That's all the money I have and that's it. And it's like, no, that's not an indication of what you can attract. Mm-hmm. You can open yourself to attracting a lot more money. Okay. So, so it was really a one-time thing. I, I was wondering if she had also taken the opportunity to you know, come up with some sort of strategy for you know, the next time she felt limited in that way to remind herself or to retrain her well, mind. Well, yeah, that's what she said. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah, she was like, wow, well, from now on, you know. Oh, okay. Those, it was more like a determination. Those limiting, if okay. you had those limiting thoughts coming about money, she's going to remind herself, oh, that's right. Oh, okay. This doesn't mean okay. I can't attract X amount. You know, there's, it's unlimited. Mm-hmm. It really is unlimited. Well, that's so, very cool. That's very cool stuff. So get, uh, get, do you have any more wins before we move on? Um, well, those are the main ones I want to share. Okay. Because <laughs> I, right. I think that would be the most helpful to who, who's ever listening. That's fine. Um, yeah. Because uh, we do have uh, the topic of Chapter 2 of this book that we've just kind of cracked the cover on last week. And, uh, yeah, it, the astonishing power of emotion. Yeah. Let your feelings be your guide. That's right, yeah. And, uh, and actually, last week was kind of a an introduction to the whole concept of what Abraham is presenting in the book. Um, including the idea of Abraham welcoming us to the place we already live. I thought that was kind of clever. (laughs) (laughs) Planet Earth, right? Planet Planet Earth, Earth. right. But uh, more importantly, trying to establish some of the the basic concepts that they were going to explore in the book. And and the second chapter builds on what the first chapter was talking about by describing and discussing the relationship between who we are as physical beings and who we are as non-physical beings. And this mm-hmm. is this is kind of, I mean, you and I have talked about this a few times, and I've talked about it with other co-hosts as well, this, this piece of the Abraham approach to understanding uh, what it is to be non-physical and what our relationship is to the non-physical. Um, but that, that piece is... It's different. It's not similar to what we get from religions or other philosophies. It's it, it has a unique little twist to it. Um, and I and I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't give it away. Maybe I should just let you read the chapter so that we can you know <laughs> explore it that way. But I, I just think it's a very unusual twist. It's one of the reasons that I find Abraham Hicks so compelling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let me let me jump into this chapter. All right. Go for so it. So this is this is chapter two, and it's titled "Remembering the Big Picture." While we are eager to get to the heart of this book, which is a complete explanation of the power and value of your emotions and how to understand them and effectively utilize the guidance that they provide, it is necessary that we first give you a broader view of your eternal nature. While this description of you may seem foreign to you upon your first reading, as you absorb it and consider it fully, you will begin to feel a recognition of this view. For at deeper and broader levels of your own being, you already know this. And so these words will help you remember. Quote, be by your physical standards, where you define your experience in physical terms with physical places and such, you would likely define the non-physical realm as a non-place. But even though non-physical differs from physical in many ways, and while you cannot perceive it accurately from your physical perspective, it exists. It is real, it is vast, and it is a place, or rather a non-place, of pure positive energy. That's interesting. A non-place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's hard to have a, a, a visual meaning of what a non-place is. is it, it, it's not nothingness, apparently, but it's a non-place. Is that like an unperson from, from uh, the, the novel 1984? <laughs> well, I guess it. I don't know. It can't be defined. Like that's what I like. It's just like it just exists. But I guess you the can't best say we can it's over. It's over here or over there. It just is. I guess. I guess the best we can say is place is dependent upon a physical matter-based, not matter-based, but matter-organized um, world or universe or whatever. And so in the context of you know, creation with matter where you have planets and you have uh, suns and you have uh, on the planets you have uh, cities and countrysides and people and animals and all this other stuff, then each one of those 
because they're made up of matter, we can say, well, they're a certain distance from each other and so on and so forth. So now the idea of place becomes meaningful. Maybe that's what it's mm-hmm. all about. Since since the non-physical is energy only and there's no matter-like structures involved, then mm-hmm. that's why the meaning of place kind of disappears because you have yeah. to have matter structures in order to have places. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, <laughs> that's got to be what good. it is, I think, so. The other All right, interesting so going on. You well, go ahead. Before you go on, the other thing that, that captures my attention there is the idea that um, it is a vast place. Yes. Now, now, we think of, like I said, distances in terms of matter. Well, we just said that there's no matter there, so places don't have much meaning. But apparently vastness does. I'm thinking, okay, so you can have mm-hmm. vastness but not places. Well, now my mind mm-hmm. is totally messed with. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get to you. Maybe there's more okay. <laughs> explanation. So here we go. Prior to your emergence into this physical body, you were fully aware and conscious in, conscious in the non-physical realm. In other words, you understood yourself as you in the same way that you now identify yourself as you. And in the same way that you stand in your physical body, looking out into your world, translating what you see through the lens of your own personal perspective from your non-physical vantage point, you also translate everything that you behold from your own powerful personal perspective. The non-physical you has an eternally expanding identity through which you perceive life, and from that vantage point you observe, you think, you imagine, you ponder, you know, and you feel. So, from the broad, from that broad non-physical perspective, you came forth into this physical body. You came as an extension of pure positive energy, being that you are in the non-physical. And as you were born, and as and you donned the body and personality that you and others identify as you, that conscious being that existed is the non-physical realm. In the non-physical realm, still exists there. In the same way that a thinker thinks a thought, but still exists separately from the thought, he or she thinks the non-physical you, thought you, but still exists separately from you. That was a thought. In other words, when you give birth to an idea, you still exist to give birth to another idea. (laughs) That was a little bit of a tongue twister there. (laughs) A bit, yeah. It's also an interesting concept in that what it's really saying is that the physical us was originally a thought from the non-physical us. So we are the figment of my, our own imaginations. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm going on. And so, from your non-physical vantage point, you gave birth to the physical you. And when the vibrational projection of thought, which extended from the non-physical into the physical, converged with the physical body, that was conceived and grew in your mother's womb, you were born. So what was once an idea, which was considered and imagined, has now become a physical reality. The idea of you has now become a physical reality, and the non-physical you, who gave birth to the idea, remains non-physically focused. And so because of your physical birth, it has now become even more fully expanded. That kind of explains a little bit more. Sort of, yes. I mean, it, it makes it, to, to borrow my father's expression, it makes it clear as mud. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's kind of like you said. We were pre-you in the physical, but non-physical, but there's still part of you that exists in the physical, even though you were born mm-hmm. in the non-physical, in the non-physical. All right, let me continue. So now, not only has the non-physical you expanded, but you now have two powerful points of you your physical viewpoint, and your non-physical viewpoint. And there is nothing that will ever be more important for either of these two wonderful perspectives than their relationship to each other. Everything that you are living is about your physical and non-physical points of view and how they interplay with one another. The reason we are writing this book is to help you understand that through discovering the astonishing power of your emotions, then and only then can you clearly understand your relationship with the non-physical you. And then it goes on to the next section. Your relationship with your inner being. Did you want to say something? 
Well, I guess what I wanted to say is I wanted to ask you a question. Yeah. Because what the the chapter's title suggests is that this is about trying to remind us of something to help us remember something we already knew. Mm -hmm. So so my question to Mm -hmm. you is, do you feel like you actually remember this? Because when I think about this concept, this series of concepts, really, that uh, Abraham is laying out for us, it makes intuitive sense to me. It feels good inside. I mean, it, it, right. everything about it says, yeah, that, that feels right. That feels right. But I can't honestly say that I remember it. Do you remember it? No. <laughs> okay. No, it's kind of like you, like, okay, well, that's interesting. But no, I don't remember that. Okay. All right. So, All right. But it's interesting to me. It is interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I wonder, I don't know, I wonder if anybody would remember that. Because it's, I, how, do you remember being, how do you remember being in the non-physical? I, I, I think there are people who do remember. <laughs> um, to give you an example, Wendy Dillard, who yeah. does the afternoon podcast with me during the week, she mm-hmm. has a, a roommate, a woman who shares her home with her named Keisha. Who mm-hmm. Keisha, by the way, is also someone who is going to contribute a chapter to our book that's coming out uh, hopefully at the end of this month. And Mm -hmm. Keisha, apparently, according to Wendy, according to conversations that Wendy has had with Keisha, Keisha can, for instance, see spiritual Mm -hmm. energy. Mm -hmm. She can interact with it. Mm -hmm. She can Mm -hmm. tell you all kinds of stuff about it. She can see auras. She she is psychic. She has the ability to speak with the non-physical and with physical beings in other parts of the country and even around the world just simply through telepathy. I mean, she has all these different abilities. So do I think that there are people who can actually remember that, who can uh, perhaps re- remember is the wrong word, but can they actually feel it? Can they, they connect to it? Can they say, yes, it's there, and I know it's always been there? Yeah, I think I think there are some. And, uh, I mean, there, there's actually a category. I think my wife told me this. There's a category of people like that. They're called um, highly sensitive people, I think it's called. Right. And... You know, if these people can can truly feel all this other stuff, which I believe they can, especially after hearing Wendy's description about what uh, Keisha can can do, then yeah, I, I think that they can certainly feel and connect to the other side and, and to themselves on the other side, and then mm-hmm. in that sense, remember, yeah. That will be interesting. Well, yeah. we'll have to see what she says. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to Maybe. interview her sometime. Uh, Wendy says it's interesting to have a conversation with her. Because yeah. very often, because she's writing from this perspective, um, she, for instance, Keisha found out from Wendy that the rest of us don't see energy. That was news to her. She thought everybody saw energy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot of the time, they're, in a sense, they're having to invent vocabulary to deal with stuff that Keisha experiences all the time that the rest of us don't even see. And there are no words for it because, well, the rest of us don't see it. <laughs> so yeah. you know, how do you have yeah. words for something that you don't know isn't even there, right? <laughs> so, so they've actually had to invent some vocabulary just to make it possible for the two of them to have conversations. I mean, very often from what Wendy says, there are times where they're talking about stuff and Keisha will just like stop because she knows what it is that she wants to describe, but she can't think how to describe it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> because there are no words for it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, I always think we all we all can be sensitive, but we, for some reason, some people are more tuned into it or more yeah. open to it, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, she is really tuned in from what Wendy's telling me. And I have to say, I have known not so much directly, well, somewhat directly, but also through my sister. My sister have known has known a number of people who have yeah. you know various kinds of sensitivity. And it's just, it, it, it becomes astonishing when you realize the ability of, of many individual humans to connect in that way. It's actually, yeah. got, it's given me the, the desire to learn how to do it. I mean, one of my goals now, since Keisha can see energy and interact with it, I have actually managed to interact with energy a little bit. I want to see it now. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to experience it. Um, in fact, my wife and I have been doing little experiments. You know, the, the book, The Celestine Prophecy, have you read that I book? have heard of it. Okay. I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. It's an interesting novel, um, and they did a movie on it. And we got a copy of the, the movie recently and, and watched it a couple times. One of the things that they dramatize in the movie very nicely is people in the book who are learning how to 
actually view energy, especially auric fields and so forth. And you can actually do this. What Louise and I tried it, it really does work. You hold your two fingers, your, your four fingers, about an inch or so apart, maybe a little bit less. And then you kind of, they, the way they describe it is you, you unfocus your eyes. What I actually do is I, I kind of imagine that there's something between the two of them. And then I look through that to whatever the background is. And then as right. I move the fingers, like if I move my left finger up and my right finger down and then vice versa, move the other finger up and the first one down. As I do that and look in the space in between, I can actually see distortions that happen in that space. And the more yeah. I look at that, the more I, I can actually see an energy field. And, and supposedly right. that's my aura that, that I'm actually seeing there. So I am beginning to learn how to see the field. Now, can I see it? Yeah, just by opening my eyes and looking across the room? No, not yet. <laughs> not there. But I have at least taken the first step, which is cool. Well, yeah, maybe one day you will. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Sounds like I will. And that's one of my goals, so it'll be fun. So yeah. go ahead with the chapter. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted to touch that's on okay. that. <laughs> All right, so the next section in the same chapter is called Your Relationship with Your Inner Being. Now, as we define and describe these two important aspects of you, rather than referring to them as you and you, it will be more clarifying to refer to the physical you as you and the non-physical aspect of you as your inner being. You could call your inner being source, soul, or God, but we like the name inner being, since it is the root of that which you are, and you can feel it within you. So, from your non-physical perspective, your inner being projected its consciousness into the physical you, and you were born. And now here you are, living, breathing, thinking, and being, and at the same time, your inner being is living, thinking, and being. We like to refer to this time and place in which you are focused as the leading edge of thought. And when you think about your broader, non-physical inner being extending itself forward into this life experience, it is easier to understand that this physical realm in which you are focused surely is the furthermost extension of that which is source. That's a big statement there. Yeah, and I like the fact that they refer to it as the inner being. That That's the phrase that yeah. I've used to describe, you know, the other side, so to speak, myself on the other side. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, calling it God, God has too many connotations with it, so that, I mean, it's probably literally true, but... I, I try to stay away from those connotations and soul for the same reason. I try to stay away from that source. I find to be interesting or inner being source. I mean, cause source is really half of the phrase. The, the full phrase is source energy. And yeah. what that kind yeah. what that connotes for me is it is the energy of the universe. And it is also the source of every creation that has been made. So source energy that, that resonates with me, but I like the idea of calling it inner being, just as a way to differentiate. I mean, according yeah, to everything they're teaching. If we said you and you, yeah. <laughs> it would get too confusing. It does get confusing, way. yeah. But it pro provides a nice, easy way to differentiate, so I like that. Yeah, and I, and I have heard Esther in her lectures, I don't know if you would call them lectures, but in her readings or whatever, she uses that word, the leading edge of thought, mm -hmm. a lot. Yep. When she's, when she's channeling Abraham. Oh, yeah. So here we, here we have the definition, finally, of the leading edge of thought. That's good. That's good. All right, so continuing on. Mm -hmm. Humans hold a variety of beliefs regarding their pre-physical origin, but a very common thread weaves through many of those beliefs, which is actually exactly the opposite of the way it really is. And that incorrect belief is that God is non-physical and therefore perfect and therefore complete in that perfection, and that a human has been given physical life in order to work to achieve that perfection or to catch up with God. What we want you to remember is that you in your physical body are an extension of that which humans call God. And because you are the furthermost extension of God or source, then God is also experiencing that expansion because of you, through you, and with you. And that's a bit, you know, that could be a big thing for someone to glom onto. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is, in some ways, it's going to, to really challenge a lot of religious beliefs for a lot of religions. Yeah, it could. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I like it. Um, again, they're touching on the word God, and, and I think the way that they're touching on it illustrates nicely why I try to stay away from the word, just because the word has mm -hmm. so many mm -hmm. 
It's, it has some, well, I don't want to call it baggage, but it has stuff that comes with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I just think it confuses the issue. But I do like the fact that they kind of call us on this idea that, and I have to admit, I was one of those who had that idea. Um, right. I had that, that mistaken idea that God is the one that's perfect and that we humans have been given physical life in order to work to achieve that perfection or to catch up with God. I used to believe that. It, it, it's not a really happy place to be in, but it was the best I could make out of it. And I'm sure I was heavily influenced by religious teaching yeah. in terms of coming to that conclusion. But it was really, mm-hmm. it was like a breath of fresh air to hear that, you know, phrasing there. Yeah, but, we're, we're extensions of source energy. We're extensions of right. God. So when we use the word God to express the non-physical source energy, we find that because it reminds people of the ideas they already hold around this word, it often prevents them from being able to find the deeper clarity that we seek to provide. And for that reason, we rarely describe this non-physical source energy with the word God. The word God just activates within most of you what you already think about the subject. So instead of the label God, we will use the label source. And this non-physical source experiences constant expansion through you, even when you are unaware of its existence or of its connection to you. So that kind of clarified even more what, we, what you just what you were just talking about. Yeah, really. That, I mean, they were addressing directly what, what I felt about it. So, so yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. great, okay, I'm on yeah. board, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it can't, you know, if you use God, then it could trigger those things. But if you just use source, source energy, then your brain kind of can't argue with that. Yeah, I, I kind of hesitated a moment ago to say that there's baggage that comes with the word God. But you know what? As I think about it, there is baggage that comes with it, um, depending on whose idea of God that you're talking about. There are some people whose idea of God is of you know, basically a punitive and domineering and rather nasty being and just, oof. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to be anywhere near yeah. that energy at all. <laughs> That's why I source energy. I like source energy. Source energy is much better. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And so let me continue. Oh, go ahead. I just wanted to say that one of the corollaries, I guess I'd call it, that goes along with this that I really like that is different from the way religious teachings tend to be. In religious teachings, man is inferior to God. God made man mm-hmm. in his own image. Christianity says that anyway, that, that mm-hmm. God made man in his own image. But man is still the inferior being. Whereas in what Abraham is teaching, that distortion kind of gets ironed out because what they're really saying is, well, we're all part of the same source energy. So it doesn't really make any sense to say that one is superior or one is inferior to the other. Because if you're all from the same source energy, well, then you're all from the same source energy. You're basically made up of the same stuff, right? Yes. So, I mean, there were a lot of things. I can't argue with that. Well, you could, but I choose not to. I like it. <laughs> you can argue with anything, David. I mean, come on, let's be honest. You can argue with anything. <laughs> well, people that I know that are in, aware of the law of attraction and such like source, the word source energy. I, I think <laughs> most like do. It. Although, I, even yeah. on this interesting thing, I just saw this the other day on Facebook. I think it was yesterday. Um, somebody, let's see, how was it going? Oh, yeah, somebody had commented... They, they put a post about something. I don't remember what the post was. But somebody had commented on the post. And in that comment, they made the statement, oh, I know, somebody had asked about fate. They had asked about fate mm-hmm. and destiny. And this person's reply after a number of other people like me had had basically said, well, the law of attraction pretty much you know, defeats the idea of, of fate. This person said, oh, fate definitely exists. Destiny definitely exists. But... They have nothing to do with the law of attraction. They have to do with belief in God. I thought to myself, boy, if that doesn't summarize the difficulty in the religious view, I don't know what does. Because on the one hand, she's she's attracting and and identifying with and accepting the idea of law of attraction. And on the other hand, she's compartmentalizing it so she can keep her religion going. So anyway, go ahead with what you were saying. Okay, well, I just thought, because we have time, let's go into Chapter 3. Oh, okay. So the chapter 3 is called, The Universe Continues to Expand Through You. 
So, you were born, you were non-physical source energy, and still are, and from that non-physical vantage point, you projected a part of your consciousness here into this physical body. And so here you are, exploring the wonderful detail and contrast of this leading-edge time-space reality. Now, here in your physical body, you are surrounded by wonderful, specific details of contrasting life experience that you are able to decipher through your physical senses. And as you live your life day by day and segment by segment, your personal deciphering of life causes a further expansion of the universe. As you observe your world, you are seeing it through your eyes, hearing it through your ears, and smelling it, tasting it, touching it through your deciphering senses. In other words, you cannot help but see your world through your personal and important perspective of self. And in that natural process of perceiving life from your perspective of self, you cannot help but give birth to new preferences and to desires for things, for things that, from, that from your perspective will be even better still. In other words, by living life from your selfish point of view, you're discovering improvements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I yeah. like this. Uh, they're, they're introducing a, one of those difficult concepts again, difficult for many people who come from more traditional um, religious or philosophical camps, so to speak, because yeah. so many of those camps um, speak poorly of the word selfish and of the concept of selfishness. And here's yeah. Abraham coming along and suggesting we live life from our selfish point of view. That, that kind of rubs some people the, long, the wrong way. It, it didn't rub me the wrong way at all. In fact, yeah. when I was very young, I actually wrote an article about uh, the importance of selfishness. And when I showed oh. it to people, I got a lot of, oh, that's interesting, but I could tell none of them bought into what I was saying. <laughs> and was, it, was it along these lines? or was, what did you Yeah, yeah, it was very similar. I mean, I can't say that it had anywhere the detail that they have in what they're describing in this chapter. But right. the basic premise that selfishness is actually a good thing, yeah, that was a, the premise of my article. It was, a, it was an essay, really. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, in, in fact, that's what's so interesting about the next part, the next, cha- the next uh, paragraph here. Yeah. So many of our physical friends do not like the idea of being selfish, but that is because they misunderstand a fundamental principle of life. You cannot be other than selfish. For you cannot observe, perceive, or be other than from your perspective of self. All points of consciousness, even one-celled organisms, perceive. And they do, some, they do so from the ever-changing selfish pers- perspective that they currently hold. That's right. Yeah, so they're, yeah, they're not talking about selfish from a, you know, <laughs> how dare you like, put yourself first or things like that. Although they, I'm not sure if they do it in this chapter. There's another chapter, and I believe this one is in their book, The Law of Attraction, The Basic Teachings mm-hmm. of Abraham. Um, in that book, and I'd have to go look at it to get the exact quote, but they basically say uh, where selfishness is concerned, there are people who will look on others and point a finger and say, you know, I don't approve of what you are doing, or I don't approve of what that person is doing. And what you, what our tendency is to think is, well, I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. When in fact, what's really happening is that the person who's doing the pointing, the finger pointing, is actually stating that there's something about themselves in that regard that they don't like. That it actually has nothing to do with you. And that when you do the same thing, when you point your finger at somebody else, you're actually pointing the finger at yourself. You're actually saying... Kind of like the the mirror type thing. It's it's actually a mirror. Yeah, you're actually identifying in yourself something that you you don't like and you're projecting it on others and saying, well, you shouldn't behave this way. There should be a law against that or there should be a rule against that. And I thought that was a really great insight. That That's the kind of thing that... When I read that, I say to myself, this Abraham knows his stuff. <laughs> this is good stuff. <laughs> it, it, a yeah. great example comes to my mind. Um, we try not to talk too much about politics because it's so negative. But there is one thing you can really notice in politics, and that is how consistently this little principle that they're describing here and that they described in that chapter that I told you about, how directly it applies. 
how many people, both in the Republican and the Democratic Party, have been stalwart uh, advocates of, of some key thing. Like, for instance, on the Republican side, it's going to be something like, you know, um, fidelity in marriage or being anti-gay or being, you know, whatever, all, all these different things. And then come to find out that they engage in the exact same behaviors in their own life and they get disgraced and they get driven from Congress. Or similarly, right. among the Democrats, the Democrats, um, I mean, <laughs> there are a lot of them that come to mind. One of the examples that comes to my mind is um, Al Gore, the former presidential candidate, who was an outspoken and is an outspoken advocate uh, for the idea of global warming and for yeah. reducing uh, oxygen or carbon dioxide creation and so forth, will come to find out he has one of the least efficient homes in the country. <laughs> he, he burns up gigantic amounts of electricity every month. He takes absolutely no steps to – he doesn't have any kind of uh, solar panels up or anything like that. He just burns and burns and burns and burns and burns. And I'm thinking there's another example. There's somebody who says, I don't like what you're doing, and what this really means is I don't like what I'm doing, so I think we should pass a, a law against you. <laughs> it's amazing yeah. how often it happens. All right, so let me continue here. So in the same chapter, the next section is called, Even Without Words, You Are Creating. As you live your life, having personal experiences and, observ and observing experiences that others are living, you often see things that you clearly do not want. And each time that occurs, a clarification of what you do want erupts within you. Occasionally, the experience is so dramatic that you could clearly state, I don't want that. And I now understand that what I want instead is X, whatever that is. You always know more clearly what you do want when you are faced with what you do not want. But whether you are consciously aware of it or not, all day, every day, you are giving birth to new desires that are being born from the details of the life you are living out in the leading edge of thought. Mm -hmm. Most humans are not aware of this process of expansion. Even when they read these words explaining it, most do not find it of any particular significance to their own life experience. But from your non-physical perspective, before you came forth into this body, you found it compelling. In fact, there was no thought that was more exhilarating to you because you understood then that the entire expansion of the universe occurs in just that way. You knew that your leading-edge experience on planet Earth would literally inspire expansion within you, and that the delicious contrast of this time-space reality was the stuff that puts the eternalness in eternity. But, of course, from that non-physical perspective, you were able to see the entire picture of creation and expansion, and that is why we are reminding you again of it now. It's another key piece in, in raising, once again, the question, do we remember that? Do I remember yeah. that that was what my motivation was before coming here? And, and once again, I have to honestly say I have no memory of what I thought at the time. So mm -hmm. I have to say, no, I don't remember it. But it certainly feels good. It, 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 it resonates nicely with me. So that's my, yeah. my uh, confirmation that it's true. But do I really actively remember it? Not really. How about right. you? So if Abraham is channeling and saying, most humans this and most humans that, and planet Earth this and planet Earth that, then where is Abraham? Where are these entities? Well, they're non-physical. I mean, we do know that. They, they have described themselves as a group of non-physical entities who have taken on the name of Abraham because they want to convey the idea that they are here to teach us stuff. Um, but they, are, they clearly are described as non-physical, so they're not mm -hmm. part of the physical world. They're only non-physical. And they're mm -hmm. communicating through Esther, through her ability to channel. Yeah. It's interesting that like, you can ponder, like, well, where are, where are they? <laughs> How far away are they? Well, this is Got perhaps where, this is one of the good things that you can get from uh, uh, the religious perspective, because there are some Christians and Muslims and others, not all, but some, who will say, well, they're all around us. They're, you know, they're, they're not here in physical form, but their energy is constantly near us. And you, and many people report feeling, you know, loved ones who have passed on as if they were looking over their shoulder, you know, as yeah. if they're, as if they're right there. Well, this, this kind of confirms that. So perhaps in one sense, the non-physical is everywhere.
right, next section in the same chapter. Mm -hmm. Your inner being flows with new desires. And so, whether you are consciously aware of your new expanded desire or not, desire is born out of the contrast you are living. For of you knowing what you do not want, the clear expanded idea of what you prefer instead is born, and your inner being, or the source within you, turns its undivided attention to that new expanded idea. And I think that's key, like the realizing that knowing what you don't want is key to knowing what you do want. And it sounds so simple, but when I don't know, it's just so important. It also introduces that word, the contrast. It's a word yeah. that Abraham uses a lot, and it, it does evoke a certain idea, but it's really a very powerful word because what the contrast talks about in it indirectly or what it labels perhaps is the fact that we live in a world of contrasts dark and light positive and negative you know like dislike prefer don't prefer mm -hmm. uh, in fact have you ever noticed that it is very difficult by comparison to notice to notice something that does not have contrast um, for instance an easy example would be uh, you look out at night and there's a black cat walking along the black wall. You'll never see it. Yeah. You need the contrast in order <laughs> okay. to see it, right? Yeah. Or similarly, a, a white cat against a white wall, you know, in blinding sunlight. You'll never see that one either. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you need the contrast. We need the contrast in order to see, in order to interact, in order to perceive and, and evaluate and, and appreciate and so forth. So we get all kinds of contrast. We get the contrast of color, of sound, of mm -hmm. taste, of touch. I mean, there's so many different uh, flavors of it. There's so many different aspects of all these different sensual experiences, and they all are part of that contrast. Um, yes, yes. I'm just going to finish this section because I know we're almost out of time. We'll probably have to finish the, the rest of the chapter next time, but uh, that's okay. Yeah, but this is because it says this is the most important part. <laughs> so okay. I, I want to cover this. So, all right, okay. so it says, now this, now this is the most important part of the story of creation and of your physical human leading-edge creative part in it. Quote, In the moment that a new and improved version of life is born out of the life you are living, you have the option of aligning with the new idea or of resisting it. Yes. And the choice that you make in that moment is really what this book is all about. But even more important, it is what your life of joy or of misery is about. For that is the point of your joyfully of you of your joyfully allowing you to be you or not. So, from your non-physical perspective or source perspective, before your birth into this physical body, you eagerly understood these things. You would be focused in a physical body. You would be living amongst a wide variety of contrasts. The contrast that you would be living would stimulate new ideas of improvement and expansion within you. And the broader, non-physical part of you, your inner being, would embrace the new ideas fully and would literally become their vibrational equivalent. That's pretty cool. It's very cool, and it's also um, it's a very coherent description and explanation of the question, why are we here? That's a question mm -hmm. that people have been wrestling with for generations, for millennia, really. Yes. And yes. there, there are a lot of things that have been, a lot of ideas that have been proposed in that direction. This one is rather unique. Well, mm -hmm. well actually, I think that's rather redundant. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is unique. It is a unique perspective, and it is a perspective that says you're not here to be tested. You're not here to be punished. You're not here to be put through trials and yeah. tribulations. You are here to experience the contrast. And yep. essentially to use that to develop new ideas for the purpose of being a creator, for doing your creation. Yes, and this one sentence is so important when they say, you have the option of aligning with the new idea or of resisting it. Yeah, that's and I really I think big. that goes back to earlier where we were talking about where there's, there's always that choice. There's always that choice. Right. And actually without the choice, of, it's not meaningful when you think about it. There, there would be no point to doing all this if there was no choice because <laughs> creation requires choice. Yes. But I just think it's, a, it's so important to always remember that. There's always that choice. You can align with the positive new idea after 
you figure out what you don't want, or you can choose to stay in the don't want. There's okay. always that choice. And there are consequences, too, with either one, with either choice. There, Absolutely. There, there are things yes. that are going to follow it. If you choose to go with the second one just by you know, going by default, then you have to be willing to settle for a light that's less than what you really hoped for. But it's nice to know it's a but choice. It's, a nice, it's nice to know that it's within our power. That's not something that most philosophies or religions teach. They don't teach that this kind exactly. of stuff is in your power. They do, to, maybe to a certain extent. I mean, I can think, for instance, Christianity is what I know just because I was brought up in a Christian church. And right. I, I can think of certain aspects of Christianity that have a certain empowering aspect to them, um, even though most of the time they were trying to, to beat me down into submission. <laughs> but oh but, but yeah. nevertheless, there were some positive sides to it. But this is positive. It, it, talk about empowering. This is empowering in a massive way. This is saying yeah. literally all of creative power is at your fingertips. You just you either choose to learn how to use it, or you basically abandon it and not gain the benefit of it. Your choice. Well, yes, and I think it's similar to what we were talking about earlier with my client, where he realized when that negative thought comes in, he can choose which direction he's going to go with it. Mm-hmm. I think that's along that same kind of thing. Like you, you can go with your new idea, the more positive, or you can choose not to. And like you said, whatever you choose, there's going to be consequences. And it's interesting, uh, too. Me, I'd rather experience the positive one. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. But it's interesting how many people actually choose the negative. Again, Abraham, in a different book, I don't remember which book, was pointing out that a lot of humans come to this planet with the desire to experience war. And they go out of huh. their way to create war. And they involve themselves in war. Many people um, who, who involve themselves in that way, you know, they, they turn it practically into a religion of their own. I mean, that's what patriotism mm-hmm. really is. Um, there was one person, do you remember the guy who won the, the lottery from, uh, the guy from Florida? He was like 20 years old, something like that. Yes. Just last month. Yes. Well, when he won that lottery, I saw somebody on Facebook who posted that he was a complete loser. And the reason he was a complete loser was because he hadn't served in the military. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this guy obviously had served in the military and he was, you know, pissed off that this little pissant had won a lottery right. when, he was, when somebody who was a, you know, a true patriot hadn't won the lottery, but you can see what his orientation was. His orientation was about war. His orientation was about standing up and defending your country and so forth. And, you know, it was a warlike orientation. So clearly, yeah. Abraham was right. People do come here to choose war. I'm not one of them, but, you know, there are no. people who do. No. And apparently that young guy that won all that money claimed anyway he's going to do really good things with it. So I hope he does. Yeah, I wonder if uh, the media is going to follow him, see what he does on that. It'll be, it'll be fun to find out. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Sure. We're down to about a minute and a half left. I do want oh to take goodness. a moment. I know, doesn't it fly? We're gonna have to pick it up really the re- <laughs> we're gonna have to pick up the rest of the chapter um next week. But yes. uh and maybe even get into chapter four as well. But I wanted to remind everybody, if you have not yet subscribed, please do so. And if you have not yet shared, please do please do so. That's our new motto, subscribe and share. And uh if you uh, haven't heard it before, here it is again. Um just to subscribe, go to LOAToday.net. You'll see links all over the place. Click here to subscribe. Works really great with an iPhone. If you have a, a Motorola or a Samsung or uh, one of the, Nokia, one of the Android phones, you then first need to install some kind of a podcast app into your phone. And you can do that through the Play Store. There are a number of them there. There's a free one called Podcast Manager, but use whatever one you want. And then once you install that app, use the app to do the search for LOA Today, and you'll find us. And, David, if somebody wants a little more personal attention, apparently, from what you've been telling me, a lot of people have called in, so there are probably more who want to. How did they reach you? Yeah, if someone's interested in Law of Attraction coaching, they can go to lifecoachdavid.com, and you can find out how to contact me there. You can sign up for my monthly Law of Attraction newsletter, which is always filled with some great tips. And uh, it was a great a great show today, Well, It was a great show. Thanks for doing it, David. I look forward to talking to you next week. Same here. And All I right. I want to tell everyone to choose to have a great day because it's always a choice. And, of course, be sure to join us next time here on LOA Today. Absolutely. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.